Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. We're here with an extra for you, an extra interview pod, which we like to bring of a Friday, as they used to say down the East End, Kieran, of a Friday. And Kieran, recently we've been discussing um, quite a lot the idea of new business models, new ways of running football clubs and we've talked about it in England and we thought it was time to talk about a club in Scotland that's doing things in a very different way, uh, a very good way I think. So we spoke to Chris Ewing who's the founder and the owner of Caledonian Braves. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We've been focusing recently on new clubs and different models of ownership but before we talk about the Braves, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in the club. Hi, guys. So, yeah, so my name is Chris Ewing. I'm actually the founder and owner of a small football club um, in Scotland called the Caledonian Braves. Um, I'm an ex-professional footballer. I use that term very loosely, I have to say. Um, I signed professionally uh, for Motherwell when I left school and realised very quickly that I was never really going to be good enough to be a, a professional footballer and, and earn a living from it. Um, I was then fortunate enough to get a scholarship in America, so I moved over to America to, to combine football and education. Um, and that was a turning point for me because when I, when, my, when I arrived in New York, I realised it was a big world out there and it wasn't just um, Glasgow. Um, and I ended up, long story short, I ended up now living in France um, and I set up a company called Edu Sport Academy, which then led to to what we have today, Caledonian Braves. That you know that American uh, route, a mate of mine was a good footballer. He went out to New York State j- just for a year to coach and learn, and stayed there for fifteen. And is now in Switzerland. It's a it's a brilliant thing for young people to do, Chris, isn't it? That brilliant. It absolutely changed my life. And te- I tell you what, what actually changed my life, and it's a funny story because um, I'm actually a, a Rangers fan. Um, growing up, I was a Rangers fan, and, and my cousin married a Celtic player, believe it or not, back in the day. Um, I got a guy called Tommy Coy, and, and, and actually I went to New York. The first time I went to New York was in 1994 um, for a World Cup. Um, it's sad to say that as a Scotsman that the only time I've been to a World Cup was to watch Ireland. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I went to the, it was at the Giant Stadium, and, and Ray Houghton actually scored the winning goal. Another, another guy from Glasgow, obviously a, a Liverpool legend. Um, and that was my first experience with New York City. And when I saw New York as a 15-year-old, it kind of literally blew my mind. And I thought, I need to come back and live. And I was very fortunate enough to do that through football, you know, on a, on a soccer scholarship. 
Yeah, Ray Houghton, Palace legend as well. So you're, which, which division are you currently playing in, Chris, just for a bit of context? So, yeah, so it's, it's actually tier five of the Scottish pyramid. It's called the Scottish Lowland Football League. Um, so it's one step away from what you probably, the listeners will be familiar with, the SPFL. Um, yeah. So you, you were very fortunate to be in the pyramid. Some would say it's maybe quite flawed. You know, it's, it's difficult to get into the SPFL, but we're very fortunate to, to at least have that opportunity to go up through the divisions. Yeah, and you're Scotland's youngest senior club. So what is your presumably short history? Yeah, well, so we do have a short history, um, particularly because the last couple of seasons have been curtailed by COVID. Yeah. Um, but but we have actually done quite a lot in a short period of time. Um, as a, You know, we won a couple of cups. We became, um, you know, the first club in the history of Scottish football to win um, a trophy with a, t- a full team of foreign nationals. And I guess just to give a bit of context to that, um, I set up my, my company called Edge Sport Academy, which essentially was bringing young footballers from France into Scotland to combine football, education and travel. Um, at that time, we didn't have a football club. It was just a private academy. We used to play a lot of friendly games against professional clubs like Motherwell, Hearts, Dundee, Rangers, Celtic and the like. Um, and after a few years, I thought, you know what, it'd be good to try and get us into a league where we can actually go and you know play for points and maybe be part of cup competition. And at that point, you, you really have a choice. You know, do you do you go under 18s? Do you go under 21s? Do you go juniors? Do you go semi-professional? And I thought, you know what? See, if we're going to do it, why don't we do it right and try and get into the pyramid? So we looked at the options. We could go into Tier 6 in the south of Scotland League um, or we could go to the east of Scotland. Um, and we decided to apply to the south of Scotland because essentially there's only one division as opposed to the east, which had two. Um, and you can picture the scene, um, you know, we went to the EGM of the South of Scotland League meeting um, to try and get a, an academy of young French footballers into the pyramid system. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally, I think the average age in the room was maybe 65. Um, and I'm thinking there's just no way that these clubs are going to go for this. You know, it's too left field. But to their credit, um, they, they actually voted this into the league. Um, and that was, a, that was a game changer, you know, because it gave us the opportunity to go from being a, a private football academy to an actual football club. And that was the start of it all, I guess, really. So, so essentially, you were a school team to all extents and purposes. Would that be right? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I like to say we're a a private football academy, you know, so young footballers from France um, coming over, um, you know, to combine their love of the game with English language um, and obviously the experience of living in Glasgow. So that was kind of, you know, the, the... essentially the start of it all um, and then we became you know we became a football club we got admitted into the league we then you know applied for full membership of the SFA which was actually refused initially that was a, another hurdle that we had to overcome we eventually got it at the second time of asking um, and then as you guys probably know to become a, a real football club in a, in a pyramid system you have to have something called a club license which we had to achieve which we did um, so it's been a, it's been a, to get back to your initial point it's been a a short history, but there's a lot that's happened. We've won a few trophies. We won the South of Scotland League Cup twice. Um, and when we actually won that, that was taken um, into the National Football Museum in Hamden because apparently it documented contemporary football history. So that was something that we're very proud of as well. To think that we had a, a trophy that was over 100 years old sitting in the National Football Museum in Hamden, um, which was excellent. Well, you've sort of answered my next question, Chris, because I say you won the South of Scotland League Cup with an entirely... French team and I was going to ask you how Scotland took that but if they're putting the trophy in the museum obviously modern Scotland took it quite well so I, I can't imagine 
certainly 30 years ago in England or Scotland that a team of French kids winning one of our big trophies would have gone down that well. Yeah, well, you, listen, you'd be surprised. I think, to be fair, uh, Richard Breerton, the, the, the creator of the, 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 the museum, he, he's been very kind to us. You know, he, he's been very um, positive. But generally speaking, I think when we first came around as Edge of Sport Academy, um, probably Marmite would be the, the, the appropriate term, you know. <laughs> Scottish, football, Scottish football and innovation are not necessarily two things that go well together. You know, it's a very traditional environment. It's very stoic. Generally speaking, people are opposed to change. Um, there's a lot of self-preservation there, I say, in the game. Um, and, and us, the kind of new kids on the block, um, almost a disruptor, if you like, certainly wasn't really um, everyone's cup of tea. Some people did like us um, because we were new and innovative and, and a lot of folk didn't. You know, But I think over the over the piece, we've proved that we you know, we met at a place within the pyramid. We play good fo- football, we, we employ good coaches, and we've certainly you know, we've been around there for a couple of years and we're, and we're doing well. So I think people... I think it would be fair to say that we've won uh, most of the doubters um, over, dare I say it, famous last words. But, um, but yeah, yeah, hopefully we have. And I, I suppose we should actually point out, Chris, to uh, our many thousands of overseas listeners that historically Scotland has a uh, different relationship with France than England does, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the, the old alliance is alive and well, I guess, you know, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned doubters there, Chris, and you say there's still some to be won over. What what are the doubts that these people have about you or had about you? Well, I think first and foremost, a football club called Edge Sport Academy, you know, it was right, being labelled, right. well, that's not a football club, that's not a real football name. Um, we don't have links to a, a specific town. Um, you know, obviously as part of the club licence, we have to play on a club licence ground. Um, and, and literally when we, we created the Edge Sport Academy, there was literally nothing in and around Glasgow because there was there was a shortage of club licence ground. So believe it or not, we had to play in a stadium that was 86 miles from where we trained. Um, and we called that our home ground in Annan. So that's just to give you an idea of the kind of challenges that we had. So people were saying, yeah, Edge of Sport, you know, it's not a real name, not a real uh, town. French players, um, and also Edge Sport Academy, I should say from the off, was a private football academy where students paid a fee for that. So there was a, a, an element of, of, you know, your guys coming and paying a fee to play football. Um, so, so there was an element of that, you know, but I think that again was, was one of the reasons why we looked to try and differentiate between the academy, Edge Sport, and what is now Caledonian Braves, the football club. Well, let's um, talk about that differentiation because uh, that brief description you said there about what Edusport Academy was, private fee paying, etc., it does make it all the more remarkable that, as you say, in a conservative football association, they did eventually allow you into the pyramid. So, But what led to the change to Caledonian Braves and, and, and also explain your ownership model now because it's slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very unique for sure. I mean, I guess probably. I mean, I'm doing, and I say this with a lot of hum, hum, humility, you know, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. But, but I'm the only person in Scotland that owns his own football club that he or she has actually created. You know, I think if you wow. look at, across the average age of a football club in Scotland, it's well over a hundred years old. So anyone who set up those clubs back in the day have, have now since moved on or passed the club on. So I find myself in a very unique position. So obviously, I mean, when I set up Edge Sport Academy, I, I didn't really have um, a huge vision of let's get to the pyramid and let's get into the Champions Leagues in the next 20, 30 years. Essentially, we set up the club so that our students had a um, you know a competitive environment to play in. What was one of the best things, um, but also created a huge challenge for us, was when we actually won the league. So we actually 
we, we tried to get into the Lowland League twice by application um, because the league was taking application. We were rejected twice. Um, we were actually told by the, the league secretary at the time, if you want into the Lowland League, you have to win the South of Scotland League, right. which was duly obliged. <clears throat> and we became the, we actually became the first club in the history of Scottish football to be promoted from Tier 6 into Tier 5, oh, which, wow. was, which was excellent, of course. It was a fantastic achievement. But it, it came up with its own problems because the level in Tier 5 is far superior to that of Tier 6. So the reality of it was that we could not sustain uh, the club with the current business model. We could not, you know, essentially we would not be able to compete um, with young French players coming over in September for an academic programme when the league starts in July. Um, and essentially the level was far more competitive. So we had we essentially made the decision to start bringing in Scottish players, Scottish players who've played at a certain level before. Um, that comes with an element of expense because you're having to pay some of the players' expenses and whatnot. And essentially what we've seen is what was set up as a football academy wasn't necessarily set up to sustain um, a, um, a football club um, financially. So we made the decision to separate the football club from the academy and I came up with something called Our Football Club. Yeah. Um, and our, our Football Club is almost like a vehicle, if you like, for people to buy in and pay £25. And what that did, it allowed them a vote. And, and what we wanted to do was use that community to basically change the name, change the logo, change the branding and essentially create a brand new football club. And that's what happened. We had over 800 people sign up. Um, and those 800 people, through a, a series of votes, decided that Caledonian Braves would be the new would be the name of the new football club. And was there any opposition from the Scottish FA or to any of your existing fans to that to that change? No, to be fair, in terms of changing the name and um, the, the SFA and, and the fans were very receptive and very positive um, towards that. I think. Um, you know, we, we did it for the right reasons. We were trying to establish a football club that, that essentially was financially sustainable um, in the longer run. Um, you know, that's one of the challenges we have as a brand new football club. You don't necessarily have an existing fan base. You don't have 50, 60, 70 years of tradition. And you're also operating in a very saturated market. Now, you take the West of Scotland, probably about 80% of football fans in the West of Scotland are either Rangers or Celtic fans. So how do we compete yeah. with that? So my, yeah. my, my thought process was in you know in 2019 when we, we set up Caledonian Braves, you, you look at a community and most people would if you were asked if to, if you were asked people what is a community club, they would think a community club, probably quite rightly so to a certain extent, is um, a club that serves a local community based on a specific geography um, local to that club. My thinking as a community can be um, a group of like-minded individuals that share the same values, same this, share the same ambitions and hopes um, and interests, and it can be anywhere around the world because we have internet today, you know, we have social media. Um, so that was my, my, my thought process to try and create up a global community that support the club. Um, and, that, and that's essentially what we did. We set up an app, we created an app, we became one of the first clubs in Scotland, certainly at our level, to, to launch an app. Um, and on the app, we have over we have almost four thousand downloads on the app um, from wow. over sixty five different countries. Um, and the idea is to basically say, you know what, um, you don't have to be living in Glasgow to support this club. You can be anywhere in the world, and you can have an interest. You can download the app, you can follow the club, you can take part in decision making. And obviously, I'm going to bring Kieran in off the back of this next question because we are all about the finance. Chris is yeah. is is the club purely financed by those 800 plus people paying 25 pound a year, or do you have other uh, financial income streams? No, so I mean, I guess the long story short of it is the club is financed for the most part 80 percent through myself. Um, if I'm being oh, okay. honest, so that's, again, I mean that's. 
that's probably medium to longer term. It's it's, it's not sustainable. Um, I'm quite happily married at this point in life. I think if it continues, <laughs> then that may not, no longer be the case. Um, I, I mean, the, the reality is I'm not a millionaire. Um, and, and there comes a point where the club has to be financially sustainable um, beyond just myself putting in cash every year, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think um, I'm limited in where I can take the club alone. And that was one of the... the, the key reason of setting up this this new ownership model that hopefully we'll talk about in a moment was, was also to share the club I feel very pl- privileged to be the owner of the football club but but quite simply I think there's far more it's far more exciting and far more, more fun to be able to share the football club um, with a community um, and prove to folk that you don't have to be a millionaire to own a football club it can, that there is an affordable solution to owning a football club and being part of an ownership community so to answer your question it's finance for the most part from myself obviously there's gate gate income um, you know there's, there's small small amount of sponsorship and obviously we get money from the SFA as, as an SFA member and, and obviously club license and if we're able to go on a Scottish Cup run we get money through the Scottish Cup as well but for the most part it's financed through myself and what, what sort of numbers do you get through the gate on match day it depends who we're playing but again it's, it's a real challenge we get anything from maybe 100 to 250 oh, okay. uh, which is which is it's it's quite a lot when you think from where we've came from. We've yeah, came definitely. From, no, yeah. from from nowhere, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 only scratching the surface, you know. And again, that's the challenge. How do you convince Motherwell fans to come to Caledonian Braves? How do you convince um, Rangers and Celtic fans to come to Caledonian Braves? And that's. Uh, but we have seen that actually. We've seen fans from other clubs actually come in and they say that they prefer to come to our games because there's more of a family feel to it. You know, they come with their kids. The kids can play football after the game on the park. They can go in the park at half time. Um, you know, there's, there's, they can meet the players, they can meet the, the staff, you know, and they feel that there's a far more welcoming and friendly family environment at, at Alliance Park than, than some of the other clubs in the, the SPFL. Yeah, as I've got a lot of cousins in Glasgow who are all Celtic fans, but I, I imagine they listen to this. I imagine they'd probably be only too happy to pop down and see. You do have a bar, don't you? We do have a bar, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they'll, be, they'll be very happy to go there then. Yeah, um, we do have are, a bar, yeah. Are any of your staff professional, Chris? Yeah, so we have the, the Ricky Waddle, who's um, a coach. He's he's professional. He's um, out, I don't know if you're familiar with the Lone League, but we have Rangers, Celtic, and Hearts B teams. Yeah, yeah. So out, out with those three teams, he's unless I'm mistaken, the only UEFA pro coach um, um, in the league. So he Ricky's been with me now for ten years. Um, he's obviously first and foremost head coach, but he does quite a lot in terms of community outreach, work going into schools, and um, you know working with the local community in terms of. You know, trying to promote Caledonian Braves as a community club as well locally. Um, as much as we talk about having an online community, it's obviously important to us that we do have um, a positive impact in the local community as well. So Ricky Waddle, essentially head coach and jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, if I could bring you in here, because I, I was going to ask you about the community model, which is a model we have spoken about before, but hearing that Chris actually finances 80% of it, you, you quite like the benevolent dictator model sometimes didn't you but how how is this going to work for Chris in future how far can he take this club well I think Chris knows the the potential impact of of going up another tier um and then your, your cost rise yes you'll get some more money from uh from from the SPFL but I can absolutely understand it from Chris's perspective and from his marriage's perspective <laughs> the 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 essential need to uh, have as many income sources as possible and, and diversifying by having this this fan-owned model I think is intriguing. Uh, but the, you know, I think it's indicative of of many clubs, both in England and Scotland, uh, that uh, 
have to really work hard to try to to make ends meet. And, and I think, yeah, it's a fascinating project. Uh, it's a passion project, but uh, it it's uh, it, it does come with a financial cost as well. Yeah, Chris, we spoke to AFC Crew recently who are playing at a much lower level than you in England, but they have a similar scheme, but all decisions there are made by the community. Is that the same for you or are there some decisions that you reserve the right to make yourself? Yeah, I think we involve the community as much as we possibly can. Obviously, sometimes there's time constraints, you know, where things have to be decided almost immediately and that makes it more dif- a more difficult process logistically to put things on the app, etc. But certainly I think one of the key things, regardless, is that all fans are duly considered. And I think that's something that's really, really, really important to football fans across the world. I think if you look at some of the... I mean, speaking about PSG here, for example, um, living here in Paris and some of the bigger clubs, you, you, you could literally pay a couple of hundred pounds to go to a game and uh, with your kids um, and you have absolutely zero influence on how the club is run. Um, so, so I think that just football fans in general, no matter where they are in the world, just want to be duly considered. Now, for example, the cost of living crisis, um, I made a decision on my own to abolish um, entry entry fees to the club. So most clubs, I think, in the low league would charge anything between eight and ten pound. Right. I heard I heard something about it was on this morning a few months ago that you could actually win in a competition um, free electricity for a month or something like that and, yeah. I, and I thought what has this country come to that you can actually win free electricity yeah. on a game show I thought no way man there's no way that we can do it so I decided at that moment I said you know what anybody that wants to come and watch Caledonian Braves does not have to pay at all um, and that's something that we have committed to the whole of this season um, if they want to leave a donation they can if they don't have any money they just come and enjoy the football and football should not be a financial burden on folk but the idea there was to, to, to give the supporters due consideration and understand it's difficult times for them and, and if they want to come to a game of football then they should not have to be stressed about paying for that you know so so that was the decision I made on my, myself um, fans obviously backed it it was I think it was the right thing to do um, but in terms of you know what the, what other fans have done they've chosen the name of the club they've chosen the logo they've chosen the motto they've chosen the name of the stadium um, they get to, to impact the, the governance of the club for example when Rangers Celtic B teams were invited into the league they had a vote on whether or not they wanted us to vote on that yes or no um, at the AGM any kind of votes that go for the club and the AGM that's the fans that would that would guide that those votes so they're involved in, in almost everything at the club strip design and, and all yeah. sorts Producer Guy, we're really worried now that you've started me and Kieran off about the state of this country, that we stop talking about football and start talking about <laughs> the fight. It, that's a remarkable thing to do, Chris, is to, to stop charging people to get in, especially when you have clubs in the Premier League who are agitating to remove the cap of £30 for away fans. So there are Premier League clubs who think they should be charging away fans more than £30. Away fans that have already paid a lot of money to travel to the game. Yeah. And then you there, there's you charging nothing for people to get in that that's remarkable and you, you you've got your new ground now alliance park talk us through the move to having your own ground yeah so that was a, 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 again a, a huge challenge for us you know um we, we, we engaged with north Lanarkshire council um just in the outskirts of glasgow and they were they were keen to work with us and they saw the potential um in edge sport academy and caledonian braves having having a home there so to be fair to them they, they developed a, an existing facility to make it um um, you know, in line with club licensing. So we moved into there a couple of years ago and it's, it's been great for us because it does give us that identity. We, we can therefore then try to reach into the local community. Um, but but that was that was a mega challenge for us. You know, we were travelling, as I said earlier on, we were travelling literally 86 miles um, one way. So over, a, you know, 170 miles around trip to 
to play home games. You know, it was absolutely absurd. So, so yeah. now we have Alliance Park. That was the fans again that chose that name. A little nod and a wink, I guess, to the French connection there because of the Alliance, you know, but yeah. also also the project, you know, in, in terms of the Alliance of just bringing people together through football. So, but that, that's been that's been good for us, to be fair. And, and you own the ground now, or do you rent it? We don't. We rent it. We have a long term lease, right? Um, so, so that gives us a level of security, I guess. Um, so we have a long term lease, um, and the idea is to, to to continue to build and continue to grow in at, at Alliance Park. And can you can you still make some money out of it? Is it a revenue stream? Can you like hire the bar out during the week and get people in there? Is... No, 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 nothing really like that. You know, we have a, okay. a, a commercial contract with the council, and we have it for X amount of length right, per week. Right, okay. you know, we, we use it for that. You know, I mean, ultimately, if we're in a position where we could actually have our own ground at some stage, that'd be fantastic. Um, and I get, I guess, this is part of the you know what we're looking to do with this new ownership and crowdfunding model is not just to bring in money that goes directly into improving the playing staff. I mean, it's to to really solidify the financial future of the club and, and, and make sure that the club has a platform to grow over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. There's actually a documentary. I mean, if anybody's interested in downloading the app, Caledonian Braves on, on the app or Google Play Store, there's actually a documentary that we did and that shows the the, the, the transition from Edge Sport Academy into Caledonian Braves and, and obviously also moving into the new ground, Cal- uh, um, Alliance Park. Good bit of PR work there. Chris, if if you had a press office, if you had a press office, they'd be very proud of you. You, I I listened to you earlier, Chris, and reading your website, which I would I would urge anybody listening to this interview to go to the website because it is really interesting the way you talk about your values. But you're almost proud of the fact that you don't have a traditional model uh, business model and you don't have an established local fan base. Now, most of us would would see that as a challenge, but you you sort of think that. That's a good thing in a way, don't you? Yeah, I mean, okay, let's be honest. I mean, if we had 500 people coming from the local community into the ground every week, that would be fantastic as well. You know, I don't think we can ever neglect the fact that that, that football clubs need local football fans. Yeah. But what I do think, I do think we are privileged that we're not hindered with any baggage or any politics or any committee or any tradition that holds right, us right. back. You know, we, we can literally take the club in any direction that the fans want it to go. Um, you know, and it's it's... It's, it's so exciting to me to think we have 3,800 fans on the app from 65 different countries. The ownership model that we're about to launch on WeFunder will see us have literally a global ownership community yeah. um, and, and making football affordable and, and proving to people around the world that you don't have to be um, the prince of Saudi Arabia to own a football club. You can be... Um, Literally, um, you know, you can be a, a bricklayer, you can be an office worker, you can be a podcast podcast host, you can be anybody, and you can you can own part of a football club. And again, it's the sense of community. I think, you know, that football and sport in general, we have such a, a fantastic opportunity to bring people together, to give people a little bit of hope, taking a small club in the fifth division up through the divisions. Um, you know, I think it's so exciting. You know, and I think we can do that through the app. We can do that through, you know, different online platforms um, and I just feel like it's, it's so exciting I feel like we're in a very, very privileged position to be able to do that This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI powered workspace Notion What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion you do It's the AI powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items. 
to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. In just the short space of time that we've been doing this pod, nearly, well, three and a half years. Is it three and a half years? It seems decades. But in the short space of time we've been doing the podcast, when we started, this idea of a community club model, we we barely heard it. And now more and more we're hearing that people are buying into this. And it just proves, Kieran, doesn't it, that, as Chris said, people are desperate not just to support a football club, but to actually – in even in a tiny way, financially become part of it and then feel that they're part of it as well because people want to invest more than just emotions in, in being part of a club, don't they? Especially at that level as well, I think, because as as the Premier League and the Championship recedes into the financial distance, uh, leaving the rest of us behind, we kind of think, well, as Chris says, this is the level we can operate at and it's a kind of gentler place to be, isn't it? That, that's right. I think for for some people, there has been a disconnect uh, in in terms of what we're seeing at the elite end of the game, and it, it's a fantastic entertainment product. But I, th- I think you, know, you and I are both old enough to remember where you could go into town on a Saturday night and you'd see some of the players, yeah, um, and they they'd be eating at the same places as you and they'd be drinking in the same places as you. And th- this isn't the criticism. You know, f- footballers are elite a- athletes. The game is uh, has, has become very enriched at the, at the top end. And, and now there is that sense of disconnect. And, and I think by uh, coming up with the community model, as you rightly said, the emotional investment can also be there in a different way. And different doesn't mean better or worse. It just means different. But I think some people quite enjoy. I mean, I, I, I live close to Lewis, um, and, and that's that's very much a community club where you can become a part owner for a relatively small sum of money, and, and people do that because they see the contribution that clubs make at a local level in terms of 
providing an alternative, you know, providing a, a sense of purpose for people. That sense of history and heritage is still there as well, and, and also the chance to build that uh, in, in the case here of the Braves. Yeah, I remember going into a late night bar in Croydon once and seeing our captain Jim Cannon sitting there getting mildly drunk, which is some achievement because we'd been away at Grimsby that afternoon. Uh, he must have got down there at some speed. Um, Chris, have there been other challenges other than financial that you didn't perhaps foresee in making the change from a, an academy club, albeit a successful one, to a proper pyramid club? Yeah, I think there's, there's always challenges. You know, one of the things that we're trying to do is create content, you know, so that we can service the fans that live abroad so they can get to know the players, so they can get to know who's who and, and have some kind of affinity to, towards the club and the players and the staff. So it's, it's been challenging to be able to create regular and, and, and good content. That's something that we'll continue to strive to get better at. Um, another thing that we do is we stream the games live. So obviously we cannot do that in Scotland because there's a blackout between 3 and 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, but trying to improve the quality of the stream to make sure we get good commentators and different things like that, good highlight packages. So it's just in the logistics, you know, so just things like that. And then just, I mean, one of the things as well is just generally in, in, in Scotland, you know, the pyramid system, although it does exist, it's quite flawed. You know, it's very much um, weighted towards protecting the clubs within the SPFL because that's a members' organisation. And again, without getting too political about it, I know you, you guys, you have Neil Doncaster, I think, coming on the show soon. We do, yeah. Um, but, but essentially, you have 42 clubs in Scotland that dictate what happens for the rest of us, which is, again, is, is quite unfair, you know. So we're always pushing as a group of clubs in the, the lower end um, out with the SPFL to try and open up to more promotion, um, to try and make it far more fluid because there's so many ambitious clubs um, at the lower in the lower ends, you know, um, clubs like ourselves and, and, you know, the clubs like Darvo who, who just put uh, Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup and there's so many amb- ambitious clubs with good support and good following that, that are desperate to go through the pyramid system and it's very, very difficult for us to do that. As it currently stands, it said that I always ask people in Scotland this partly because, um, I, I, again, overseas listeners I don't think realise quite how big Scotland is. Is it not a, a danger though? Once you're in the pyramid, there's some enormous travel expenses to be paid there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Obviously, it becomes national. It's a national league as opposed to the Lowland and the Highland League, where it's, it's kind of regional. I feel like, but I guess yeah. I mean that's but, but that again is up to clubs to again, to, to cut their cloth and make sure that they have a, a, a viable and sustainable financial model in place, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, there is a lot of travel, and of course, most of the, you know, for sure there is, but I think most clubs that, that, that look to progress up through the pyramid system are well aware of that, you know, and, and, um, and, and can finance that. I think as well, just on the point of finance, you know, this is a finance podcast, I think what makes this quite an attractive proposition obviously I think uh, Kieran you had mentioned earlier on it's a passion project for anyone invested in a club and that 100% I would 100% agree with that but I think where it does become interesting um, is that to go from the fifth division of Scottish football to the premiership as ambitious as that may be it's far more accessible and takes far more far less investment than it would to go from tier five of any other major European division um, up in country up into the Premier League you know, if you go from Tier 5 in England to the Premiership, it's going to take literally tens of millions of pounds. Yeah. Same probably in Germany, same in Italy, France and Spain, whereas in Scotland, they're probably talking, you know, um, you know, five, maybe 5 million, something like that. I would have thought to go from Tier 5 to, to the Premiership. Uh, Kieran, I'll bring you in on that because I, I, our listeners love you, so I presume they'd want to hear you say, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> Chris, we spoke to... Um, 
the guy who owns Dorking Wanderers, uh, yeah. just after they were promoted to the National League. Uh, again, a remarkable story. They they were essentially a Sunday League team, moved up through many divisions. Uh, he owns the club. He was managing the club. He was doing everything at the time. And I, I asked him whether it was fun. And he said it stopped being fun after the sort of fifth promotion when it, it they began to realise they could get even further. Are, are you still having fun? Um, uh, listen, if you, if you give give me five promotions, I'd be in the, we'd be in the Premier League, and I think that that would be a good <laughs> a, a, a good journey. I think you know, but I listen, actually listened to that that show it was very interesting, and that again was was fantastic achievement what that club have done. Um, I'm to answer your question. Of course, I'm having fun. You know, I think it's it's a great privilege to be the owner of a football club. Um, and I go, I live in France, but I'm back regularly, and I go in the dressing room and I hug the guys and I, sh- I kick every ball with them and. I share the highs and the lows, and I think that's what it's all about. Football, it should be fun. The moment it stops being fun, then we just need to walk away from it. It should be fun. It should be inspiring. It should be a distraction from your day-to-day, um, you know, the day-to-day chores and the challenges of everyday life. Um, and I think that's what we can offer. We can offer fans an opportunity to be in, involved in a, a real-life football club and live the highs and the lows and everything that goes along with it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. So I, yes, I heard you mention earlier you were based in Paris. So do you, do you walk around? Oh, I wish I was in Paris now. I really do. Do you walk around the streets of Paris with your Caledonian Braves uh, tracksuit on and inviting people to ask questions about the club? Mm, I have been known to put on a Caledonian Braves top now and again. To be, to be <laughs> fair, yeah, uh, I stop uh, shy of wearing the kilt along with it. But, um, but yeah, no. <laughs> but, my, every, but people are aware of it. You know, people, generally speaking, anyone I speak to about the club and what we're trying to do and when they see the app and they see how vicious, most people are really, really excited about it. You know, they, they, they feel it's really something quite new, quite refreshing. Yeah. Um, and, and that is exciting, you know, but, but listen, we're talking about football here. It's obviously about bringing in money to, to help the club grow, but it's about, it's really, I can't underline the importance of this idea and this notion of community and this notion of you can be anywhere in the world, you can have any kind of job and you can own a football club. You know, we're making football, owning a football club affordable, um, you know, and I think that's so important. It's having that real sense of identity. Eventually, just quickly, I mean, where I would like to take the club at the moment, we're looking to sell 25% of the club. The minimum investment is is $100 and that's been put on a WeFunder platform, which is a, a crowdfunding platform. Um, that's at caledonianbraves.com forward slash buy brave if you guys want to get information but ultimately where I would like to go is, is adopt the German model so um, ultimately I would like to, to sell the club to the fans and it becomes 50 plus one so that it becomes a fully fan on club um, and, and then I can, can almost if you like to take a step back um, from it so I'd like, I, don't, I don't think that model has been really widely adopted in the UK and I'd, I'd like to see that at my, at my club it's a remarkable story and a remarkable project, and I hope it continues to flourish. Uh, and the next time I'm up in Glasgow to see my cousins, I will make sure I come to see a game. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for talking to us, uh, Chris. Hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future, and we wish you all the very best with everything you're doing. Okay, thanks very much for having me on the show, guys. I really enjoyed it, and I uh, hope to see you guys up in Glasgow. Come and see Caledonian Braves. Kieran, I mean, obviously a very passionate uh, and excited man about his club, about his project, for want of a better word. Um, and, it, and it's brilliant that he's financing it to the tune of 80% at the moment. But even he admits that somewhere along the line, if it's going to be further up the pyramid, he's not going to be able to do it on his own, is he? 
Yes, and what Chris has done is is amazing, as well as giving opportunities for people to come from France, young people, yeah. to, to learn language, to enhance their education, and to uh, put together some football-related uh, activity. Uh, and, and I love the fact that he said, I've made the decision that we ain't going to charge people Just to brilliant. come and watch us. Yeah, yeah. Because things are tough for everybody, and and this if this can provide a little bit of a distraction, a little bit of light, and yeah, you know, ideally yeah, people will make a donation, but people will go to the bar and we'll make a little bit of money there. But as you rightly said, that there's there's a limit to what one person can do, um, and this is a this is a labour of love uh, for for Chris's Chris's city. Uh, but uh, you just wish him all the best and. I've I've already I've already been looking at their kit, you know. So you, you never know. The Baroness will probably kill me if I buy yet another football kit. But you know, it's for a good cause. It's not it's not a bad kit, and it's not a bad badge either. The, the badge chosen by the um, eight hundred or so members through their app, which has got the little fleur de lis on it as well to represent France. Uh, also, it's interesting, Kieran, that that notion of of telling people that they can get in for nothing, inviting people in for nothing, uh, is also a good way of attracting new fans and creating that fan base. But also it strikes me, Kieran, that clubs like Lewis and clubs like Clapton Community FC um, are attracting what you can only describe as a, a sort of hipster audience, if you like. The same at Dulwich Hamlet, attracting sort of younger, more radical, probably left-leaning fans. And it strikes me that... Glasgow is a city full of people like that who will be intrigued by this model that Caledonian Braves are doing as well. So it's not it's not a bad way of actually attracting people in, is it? That's right. And, you know, some people have become a little bit disaffected by uh, the domination of, of the two clubs from Glasgow, very successful clubs, of course, um, and they are looking for an alternative. And I think this is a great way of dipping your toe into the water and uh, giving giving people who you know, can also be Rangers and Celtic fans a, 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 an alternative outlet if they can't get tickets for uh, for Celtic Park or Ibrox or if they feel that the prices are too high, then 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 this is something which they can go along and enjoy. And it and as, as Chris said, you know, the, the kids can play on the pitch at the end of the match, and it's yeah. that that community appeal which is uh, very welcoming yeah and as we mentioned Neil Doncaster the head honcho of Scottish football will be coming on shortly for a, a, a chat with us and we will ask him Chris's question and if you have any questions you'd like to put to Neil then send it to the usual address questions at priceoffootball.com thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page if you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod that'd be very kind of you and you can do so by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball and if you have a question you'd like answered on the show email us at that same address questions at priceoffootball.com bye everyone bye the price of football I'm for the